Well, hey, Fellowship Memphis and friends of Fellowship Memphis and other church leaders and church planners and leaders in general out listening in. This is the latest at Fellowship Memphis. We're in a series looking back at the history of our church. Uh, In November, we're celebrating 15 years as a church. And so uh, earlier I did a session with Pastor Claude and we talked about the early years and the first five years. And today I got Katie Moore with me and she is going to lead us through a discussion on years five through 10. So, hey, Katie, and welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you about well, this. Well, I'll let you fire away. I really enjoyed your conversation with Claude. I feel like I learned a lot um, and really liked kind of the way you were talking to us about the process and the dream and really just um, the spirit guiding you and then mm-hmm. God showing up and do amazing things. So Yeah, those first few years of, of anything new and especially of a, a new church are, are scary and awesome and you just see God step up and step in in ways that it's, uh, yeah, just amazing. Yeah. You talked about um, one of the things that as a group, the leadership team was really focused on becoming students of Memphis. You know, this is my hometown. I'm from here um, and love a whole lot about it, but know its challenges. And I would think that in those pre-years you talked about and years one through five, you were so um, nose to the ground and really having to work so hard just to kind of keep your head above water that it might have been in these years five through ten where you were able to look up a little bit and look around. And so what did you notice when you looked around at Memphis? Like mm-hmm. what, what did you learn as a student of our city? Yeah, it um, studying the history and then experiencing it as a resident and be, being a Memphian and becoming a Memphian, uh, I would probably say those years five through ten just really settled in. I found and discovered this kind of hidden band of passionate Memphians yeah. um, that were Loved their city, uh, were excited about their city, were frustrated at the national conversation about their city, frustrated at the local news coverage of their city. And so it was during these years, five through 10, that we, um, that kind of became part of our mission as well. It's, I don't think I shared this in the last podcast, but I bought two websites the year before I moved to Memphis. One was fellowshipmemphis.org and the other was ilovememphis.com. No like, way. yeah, in my, I wish I'd have held on to it, but in yeah. my, uh, kind of in, in that awareness work, I was like, man, we kind of have this bold, audacious dream to, to see the national conversation about our city change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there, I found and discovered to answer your questions, unbelievable passionate people, amazing causes and organizations, amazing uh, places to enjoy our city and ways to enjoy our city. It it felt like the best of both worlds to me. I'd grown up in a little Harlan, Kentucky, town of 3,000, lived for a decade in Dallas, a a mega metroplex. And Memphis just felt so right. It's like the best of small town America and the best of big cities uh, Mm -hmm. here in Memphis. And and I can go see a show at the Orpheum or go enjoy the Grizzlies and at the same time see three people at whatever restaurant I go to for breakfast or lunch. And so uh, I just really personally just really, 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 really enjoyed that personally really uh, are the best things about Memphis are amazing uh, and our problems are right in front of us mm-hmm. and so we get excited about solving our problems here in Memphis and we get excited about enjoying the best things about our city and um, really if you just kind of even think about travel if you if you're tr- driving across uh, 
across our city, like our interstate does not really show off the best of Memphis. Our airport definitely yeah. doesn't show off the best of Memphis if you're connecting through Memphis or whatever. Uh, so it really takes getting in here and exploring Poplar Avenue in the summer and Walnut Grove and kind of being in the core of our city to uh, downtown to really appreciate um, uh, who we are and what we're about. And I, I love just how un- unique Memphis is. I love mm-hmm. the charm of our city. I love the fact that uh, – Everything that is on Poplar Avenue has been 17 other things. <laughs> like but You can do anything you want to do on Summer Avenue. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's not this uh, just tons of new construction. I started feeling that way right. in Dallas. Uh, it didn't even matter where I was. It was all a Bed Bath & Beyond and a brand new Best mm-hmm. Buy and whatever else. And so, uh, yeah, I love the, the charm of our city. I love the people, the passion. Uh, even the challenges are challenges I want to fight. Yeah, I loved that concept that you shared with Claude. I had never heard you talk about that at our team here at fellowship really works from this path of awareness to vision Mm -hmm. to strategy to courage. Um, And it just makes my heart swell as a Memphian to hear that with that awareness about our city and everything, all the information that y'all were taking in um, kind of as exports allowed you a passion and allowed you to fall in love with our city. And then it shifted to the vision and the strategy and courage. Yeah. And, also, the motive, like one of our local journalists wrote one time in his column, um, if you love Memphis, she'll love you back. And then I felt that, like I experienced that. And mm-hmm. so when I was um, so excited about our city and the growing excitement, uh, I just felt as well embraced by our city and uh, our mission and our cause. And so um, years one through five, it's kind of who are you and what's going on and mm-hmm. are you here to stay and are you legit and will this thing make it? Yeah. Years five through ten, you're like, we're here. And um, and by God's grace, established and um, financially on our own feet as an organization. And so, uh, yeah, it really you're really kind of growing into out of, out of being a baby and a toddler as a church into kind of your teenage young woman, young man years of really mm-hmm. getting established. And, well, in those baby and toddler years, we were also teetering all over the city. That's right. Um, <laughs> Um, from homes to the SOS building, yep. let's see, I had to write them down, to that Lutheran church at Poplar and Highland, yep. to Strings and Things, yep. to Crichton College, which is now Life Church. Yep. But at Crichton, you kind of sat still from year six through ten, correct? Yeah, it was the first time we had kind of been in a legit auditorium with a legit parking lot. Still not legit owning classrooms. a building. Yeah, still not owning a building in a highly visible place that um, we were able to stay for a couple of years. And so we really got traction. So we, we grew really fast. It took us four or five years to get to a couple hundred people, but then it, we quickly jumped up 600, 800, 1,000 during those years, five That's through right. 10. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple, you know, year seven, um, which is in this window, we uh, kind of had this crazy idea. There's kind of a famous napkin around here where we sat up here at Chili's, uh, which was high rolling for us at the time. And uh, we weren't the multi-site church thing wasn't really a thing. But we really felt like if we could, that Memphis had these unique neighborhoods. I've heard before that a great city is really a, a federation of great ne- neighborhoods. And that's true. of Memphis has very Simple. distinct neighborhoods, very whether it's together. Cooper Young or Orange Mound or Binghampton. And so so we thought, man, if, if uh, and we felt like if people could experience all the benefits of a bigger church, the leadership, the budget, the preaching, uh, while experiencing the... Uh, community and the mission, the local mission of their neighborhood, their part of town. It's kind of the best of both worlds. And so we just kind of drew on Memphis divides our city north and south. And uh, we thought, man, if we could hug the Poplar Corridor and be downtown and East Memphis and Germantown and Collierville and Lord willing, 
maybe north or south uh, in the years to come uh, that uh, we would love to see the Lord do that. And so we started with downtown and, and uh, coming on their 10-year anniversary now. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, year five or six had two great leaders, John Carroll and Ricky Jenkins. And uh, downtown Memphis was becoming a, a new thing. Like in those first five years we were here, uh, we had heard 20,000 people moved downtown during that time. The, the most recent at that time, public school, downtown elementary school was being built. And um, a lot of new Memphians, a lot of uh, young executives, FedEx, AutoZone, were buying law. Everything was becoming a loft downtown and apartments. And so, um, and because it was such a strategic place for graduate students, we just felt long term that downtown would probably turn over every two or three years, uh-huh. or at least uh-huh. 30 or 40% of it would. But that was a great thing. I felt like we were launching missionaries. Nice. And that's a neat part of our story is we've had dental school students and optometry school students and medical school students and all other kind of law students that have been shipped all over the Mid-South with our DNA that, man, check in with us. And our, they set up sh- shop in Cookville or Clarksville or back home near Little Rock. Uh, we've got all kinds of alum of fellowship downtown in those places. Uh, but, but take kind of our unique DNA with them. And, and a little of Memphis with yeah, them Yeah, exactly, and a little mm-hmm. or a lot of Memphis with them. And so um, it's been neat to see that happen. Um, we weren't sure how to do that, one church in two locations, so we learned a lot during those first couple of years of becoming multi-site. Um, and then, yeah, probably at the tail end of that, uh, we launched Germantown, and then just in the last couple of years, Collierville. So cool. Yeah. We need to frame that napkin. I know, I know. You it's really a, do know it's where it is, though, napkin. right? It's, I've kept it. It's here somewhere. Okay, yeah. that needs to happen <laughs> sooner rather a, than later. Uh, Planet uh, Fellowship Memphis restaurant with all that boxed up and Yeah, stuff. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. All right, so you have this notebook in front of you, which I love, um, where you've jotted down kind of all the programming that added in year six to 10, which is just crazy to me. Um, but again, I think it was a little bit more of you had the time to look up and look around. And back to that awareness, vision, strategy, courage. I think I'm so encouraged by it because it's such a great leadership model. But I guess it took those five years of awareness of everything that was going on in our city to have the vision and strategy for these programs. But what were some of the things we launched in year six? Yeah, well, I think already part of our... um legacy will be the, the, the th- significant things that mattered that, that were cultivated and, and launched out of our church. And so uh, Choose 901 and the city leadership was one of the early ones. And so again, that came out of that idea of going, man, nobody's telling the story of these great people, these great causes, these great restaurants, these great festivals. And we hired literally a, a graphic designer and a videographer and kind of turned them externally and said, you're not here to build our website as a church or take pictures of our people or 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 take videos of what stuff Fellowship Memphis is doing. You go get unleashed on the city, go to these organizations that that need their story told, uh, need a new website, need a new logo. Um, And so, yeah, that was the genesis of that, of what ultimately became Choose 901 campaign. And again, chipping away at, at how the nation sees our city, telling great stories about the great things in our city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the number of even recently millennials that have considered and chosen Memphis uh, as their city of choice to come live out their professional life and to kind of play and and matter here as they help us tackle some of the problems right in front of us. Yeah, what are some of the other programs besides Yeah, our residency program really got its legs, and so we really took on the mantle of becoming a teaching church and, and being a place. And didn't that partially start because someone pursued us and said, what's going on over there? We Yeah, there were a couple of early residents that uh, were, 
on staff with some other nonprofits and uh, really wanted to be trained to do pastoral ministry, wanted to be trained and see inside a multi-ethnic church and what that could look like. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we definitely had had some people uh, reach out to us. We had all I had also just had a burden for young adults, 20-somethings usually, occasionally a 30-something, 40-something slips in there, but uh, that doesn't have to kind of choose between uh, experience or education, but can come here and get both. And so all of our residents have are pursuing master's degrees while getting really good hands-on experience. And that started, we adopted Kingsbury High School, had a great experience there um, with pouring into Kingsbury, their students, helping, helped get them off the striving schools list, which is what it was called at that time, uh, redid their teacher lounge. Uh, the Rising, uh, we had all these artists here from Reach Record, Lecrae, and all those guys, and so they'd been friends of mine from Texas, um, um, and so uh, they had, have since moved on to Atlanta, but uh, they were here during that season. Uh, Downline, Ken and Vaughn, really good friend of mine and yours, uh, moved back to Memphis uh, during that time and had a vision to really start Downline. We had started the Emerging Leaders Program. Um, I used to meet four mornings a week with seven, eight, nine, ten people around this table and uh, uh, ended up hand, working together with Kenan to make that a significant piece of mm-hmm. downline and kind of hand that off. And so uh, all these things were, were things we cultivated here uh, and some of them we kept in-house like our residency, others we like city leadership, choose not ones, now its own nonprofit organization. Love that. I love the willingness and the humility in um kind of seeing a need and then not needing it to be about yeah, fellowship. That's right. For us to say we care more about the kingdom of God, right. more about our city than we do our church and its reputation yes. and its name. That yeah, is, we're not necessarily interested in getting credit for a bunch of things. We want to just see great things happen. There are so many things going on in the city that people might not okay. even connect fellowship. Very that's cool. Right. That's right. Um, so it was about, you know, year 10 that I moved back to Memphis okay. and um, so it was interesting to me when I was listening to your interview with Claude to talk about the plan had originally been for the leaders to teach a third, a third, and a third, uh-huh. just kind of a rotating teaching schedule. Right. Clearly, that was not the case when I moved back. What right. what changed? What gave? Why? Did yeah, we-, we we got behind. We had a lot of we were we were scared of of becoming too white, too much white growth, and too much college growth because that. Um, College ministry had been in some of our backgrounds, and so, um, and we didn't want to be a church of just twenty somethings, and and we really wanted to see a generational diversity as well as ethnic, racial, cultural diversity. Um, and it would we just weren't getting the growth, the diverse growth we wanted. We're having a hard time attracting and keeping in the first few years. In the first few years, and so yeah, we made a decision to kind of shift our teaching philosophy from that balanced third, third, third. Uh, create a way both uh, for more uh, African-Americans to be on stage more consistently, more preaching to be done by African-Americans so that um, as people came there uh, and visited, uh, um, we just had more presence uh, mm-hmm. in years five through tens of African-American leadership and preaching uh, and on stage than we did uh, those first five years. And that really paid off. I really think mm-hmm. that was one of the things the Lord used to uh, really diversifies the way he has. Uh, in and to stand out in Memphis as a place that sees that leadership That's right. as yep. um, of paramount importance to who we are. That's right. Um, I think that is so cool. So it, when you, you know, Claude asked you about those first five years and kind of what were some of the big wins, yeah, yeah. can you, can you like separate years six through 10 to tell me what were, what were some of the big losses? Oh yeah. Um, there's definitely, you start to, 
there's some natural momentum to planning a church. Right. That it's some kind adrenaline of, drop. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. So your first five years, man, it's everything. Every day's a war. It's up and to the right. We're not sure if we're going to be here in three months. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's a lot of momentum that comes with that. You're six through 10. You start settling out. Other churches get planted. You're not yeah. the new hot young church. Like there can be <laughs> some, uh, um, there's some reality to that. Like, it, and so how do you, um, you're casting vision a lot those first five years. Now you're having to execute, and uh, it's hard, it's easier to talk about vision than it is to actually craft a strategy and execute that strategy, oh, yeah. and it be effective. And um, uh, and so I think we went through some of those growing pains of kind uh, of figure out who we were as an organization. How do you build something that's sustainable? How do you um, uh, we were terrible at ministering to families. We were horrific at student ministry. Part of part of the reason was, I mean, none of us had teenagers, and so I remember getting. We conf- had a ton of babies, right? Yeah, we had a ton of young young kids, but um, and so we had to catch up quickly. We should have prioritized that sooner mm-hmm. to um, uh, really be effective with students, and so we were learning those things, learning to. To figure out team, uh, we had a lot of strong leaders, and how, how do we work together? And so there's definitely were some bumps and bruises on exactly who's responsible for what. How are we going to make this decision if we disagree? What um, uh, establishing a board, and so that that happened years five through ten, where we were functioning as an elder board. Uh, so yeah, all of those are memories I have from that. How do you do multi-site? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that going to work? Um, all that happened during those. those yeah, back five to that awareness yeah i'm gonna memorize it awareness vision strategy courage thing um i remember you saying at one point that you had everyone who was in or interested in um student ministry and children's ministry sit around and think about if we have this many children at this age how many seventh graders are we gonna have in five years how many teenagers are we gonna have in five years and like really gather the awareness but then visualize who are we going to be five years from now so that we can be prepared for then, not that's just right. the moment? So kind of starting to, and you don't think about that your first five years. Well, because like, you don't know if it'll right. exist. You don't even know if you're going to be here. And right. so you start um, reverse engineering a few things, going, if the, these trends continue, what what's that going to mean? Mm-hmm. I remember even realizing, oh my gosh, like, all right, we're going to run out of room at Crichton. Like, and mm-hmm. we have plenty of seats. So like learning like tipping points like we had plenty of children we had plenty of children's rooms plenty of adult seats but the parking lot was horrendous like and so what is our limiting yeah so that we learned that lesson like like people are like what are we talking about we're going to two services i see 300 empty seats it's like that's Um, not the tipping point like it's 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 part so like learning those little leadership lessons uh um and how you start thinking about that so yeah just to your point just a little bit losses were more just like the the onslaught of minutia that you had to deal with and that kept you up at night. Yeah, and we didn't know what we didn't know. And I mean, you're establishing as a church, mm-hmm. and people are starting to ask, "How? What are we going to do about this? And what are we going to mm-hmm. do about that?" And and um, uh, learning lessons like we've got all these unbelievable social entrepreneurs and people who love our city and you know executive directors and CEOs of nonprofits. And and I remember just, "Hey, get up here, tell us about your fundraiser." And then mm-hmm. seven other people are like. 
hey, we want to talk about on fellowship stage. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I did like unintended yeah. consequences. Like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought through this. Like, if we stop in every service to announce what's happening yeah. to one of the leaders or staff in our church, like this, that's all we'll do, you yeah. know, and how do you not do that? I remember <laughs> a particular past the mic day that didn't go so well. We have, that's we part have of our history. Yeah, yeah, we'll save that for another podcast. Um, but and also, the last time we've done that accident. That's hilarious. I was there. <laughs> um, those people, those amazing people who were doing amazing things yes. in the city, I know it hurts sometimes too when they had been around for five or so, five, 10 years and then had to move. Yeah. So jobs, get transferred, people take better opportunities. People, and that's a hard loss yeah, on it a is, young church. Yeah, I think that's true for any pastor and, and any church. Uh, it's just, man, when you've got just good, godly, mature, great people, it's it's a loss for our city if they, you know, I'm thinking about a couple families in particular that moved overseas, another, like, great adventures they went on. But, yeah, it's just the reality of uh, that's a loss. Uh-huh. And there's loss and, and kind of grieving that and recognizing uh, even our own like staff team, like I've never entered a ministry year with the exact same team I started with the year before. Like mm-hmm. there's just transit transitions, a part of life for staff and for families in our church, and which uh, I partially blame you church. for because of your posture of willingness <laughs> and open handedness. Yes, yes, but I also love like I I just think you can't listen to this podcast and not hear the way that your and our heart and our church. I'm not going to put it all on you, but. Yeah that your hearts and your love for this church and your love for Memphis intertwine so much together. It's just like a, you know, a really hard thing to separate. You mentioned that. Well, let me just say too, because I use that as a teaching point for other church planters. We get the privilege of sharing our story a lot with young church planters. And, and I remember saying this, like I remember telling Beth this, like we're going to love a city. That's what we're going to go do. And, we're hoping a church pops out of that love for a city, but that's a different posture than we're going to go plant a church. But that posture has yeah. remained so it authentic. Has. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think you can agree. say that, and yeah. everyone can take that note down. And that's right. but but to be at year fifteen, and for me to feel confidently that my church staff has stuck with that posture, that's right. That's right. is profound, it and is. I would think rare. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in yeah. The church so world, I mean, that's but. it's consistent. It's yes. authentic to who we are. We're an equipping church that wants to release, send, and release mm-hmm. people to go do things that matter. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, somebody said it a long time ago. You can truly don't measure a church's success by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And that just so um, resonated with me yeah. 20 years ago. That's like, that's what I want to do. I, want, I see a lot of sending. I see a yeah. lot of gospel goodbyes when I read my New Testament. Uh, not just for bad wow, reasons. that is so but cool. to go do Never bigger, better that. things. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, you mentioned that there was the difficulty that we hit with children's ministry, yeah. but also with meeting families where they are. Yes. Talk to me about where we've gone with that. Yeah, we're, we're still... Might not be in your six through 10, but I think it's amazing. We're still learning. Yeah, we've even been through a recent season in it right now where I'm, I've been super proud of what our current student ministry team has, has done. Uh, it just wasn't scalable or sustainable and would not serve our students well with four outposts. And, um, and so we, we began a, a strategic planning process where we've talked to parents, staff, uh, realized we're going to need to add staff, try different things in programming. Uh, we're trying to make the hires necessary. We've made three or four. We're looking to make another two. I heard about another great candidate today um, where we just... Send in your resume. Yeah, I had to build up our staff, and then we're going to build up our programming. And then we're going to ask the facility question. Like, our lots of our people love the fact we don't own a facility. 
but I'm not going to assume that upon our students. Like our mm-hmm. students may need a place mm-hmm. and uh, we'll do the research to figure that out, but we may end up owning or long-term leasing something specifically for our students that we don't even use huh. on Sundays. And, and again, I, I don't want to just assume the answer to that question. And so um, it's, it's a, that's a challenge for this season is to go, how, how do we uh, make sure we've got our best effort possible towards students, given where we are. But yeah, we're way further along than we were years five through 10. Um, And then I know Family Connect launched later. Yeah, yeah. But didn't it start, didn't its beginnings start with Mo and Tana? Yeah, yeah. Mo and Tana um, came across a lady named Dr. Purvis, who was then at Texas Christian University and her work, I think she's since passed passed away, but her work on trauma-informed care Mm -hmm. and basically how to learn and love well, people in general, but specifically those with trauma in their background and very hard backgrounds. And so we've had such a collection of adoptive parents and um, mm-hmm. families uh, that have some trauma in their background. And so their heart for that is it's just grown and grown and grown into an organization. And we yeah. bless the launching of that. And it's got its own board and it's its own deal. They, it's a really amazing Mo time. Yeah. To spend, you know, the, the, Seeds of that even began with our partnership with Department of Child Services with right, DCS right. and the red tubs that uh-huh. we did. So we still, still do. provide a wonderful Christmas for every kid in the system. In um, yeah, and that's grown to four, five, or 600. We've also recruited 32 other churches that do the same. And so it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and that's going to be a part of our fifth, Paint the Town Red 15th mm-hmm. anniversary is the, mm-hmm. those red tubs. The first, we'll hand those out the first couple of Sundays in November. Yeah, you said something to me um, just in a casual conversation one time about how you don't like to like meet a leader and hear an idea and run with it, yeah. but to meet a leader and hear an idea and run behind them. That's and, right. And yeah, follow them. We, and it sounds like with John Carroll and Choose 901 right. and Mark and Tana Ottinger and Family Connect, you've done that. And it, it feels like most of those organizations are... Um, things that we put in place in your six through 10, I can hear the leader's name who kind of ran. That's right. I, that's been a, become a dangerous combo. When I find a leader who's got passion and clarity around that passion that, man, I want to get behind those leaders and serve them and encourage them and keep, right. them, keep them persevering. That's what changes our city. And that's yeah. what changes the kingdom. Yeah. Ah, so cool. Um, all right. So you talk, you, you talk about that story where you were kind of deciding on this church planning, driving, Cross country, you listen to the cassette tape of yeah. some sermon. In my orange Jeep. Yep. Yes. And um, the Holy Spirit kind of tapped you on the shoulder with a quote where the teacher said, Who was the teacher? It was a guy named Rick Warren who was in Southern oh, yeah. California yeah, yeah, at the yeah. time. He wrote Purpose Driven right. Life, which sold a gazillion copies. But yeah, he was teaching at a leadership deal. Right. Uh, and so he said, Where God guides, God provides. Yeah. Um, Clearly, it kind of feels like that's what our whole conversation has been about yeah. is the guidance and like following something that wasn't in your control. But that's right. where, where do you sense right now that the bridge is going out in front of you and you're having to take the next step, not knowing if you're going to sink or swim? And, yeah. you know, how, where are you really having to trust right now? Gosh, it's, you know, I would have thought and church planners aren't going to want to hear this and neither are entrepreneurs by year 8, 10, 12, 15, that things felt I guess I would imagine things felt a given. Uh, maybe we'd have a million dollars in the bank. Uh, we wouldn't be stressed out about next month's payroll. You know, but the truth is, like, month to month to month to month to month, we we don't have a million dollars in the bank. We don't have this big line of equity on a building. We like we are, we literally live 
in some ways, like a church plant. Part of me is embarrassed to say that. It's like, gosh, we're 15. We ought to be a, you know, and then part of me is like, I love that. Like, like I, you've heard me talk to our people. Like I'm always just dead honest with our people. Here's where we are. Here's what we'd like to do next year. Here's what we feel like. But it's a, it's a humbling process. Um, doing a church budget because you are speculating on future 100 percent um people's gifts that yeah. you know and and they they'll give or they'll won't give i, I do think they give division and i do think uh, we've got an unbelievable track record and god's been amazingly faithful but there's just it's i've never felt like god we got a ton of money and a ton of leaders and a ton of resources and a ton of staff and a ton of we're, you know, it's just never felt that way. It's just always felt it's like, always been gosh, what does it look like? Yes, what does it look like to trust God in this situation? we got another mm-hmm. end of fiscal year, and oh my gosh, it's summer drought, and there, where is everybody? And are we going to have enough leaders to pull off? We're going to start a Sunday night deal. Are people going to show up? Like, it's mm-hmm. just, I've learned that is a step of faith. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it's it's kind of like parenting. It's just like, give me a, just a few seconds, and I'll be in panic thinking about each of my kids and worst-case mm-hmm. scenarios and what might happen, how are we going to handle this, and what are we going to do about that? And um, uh, and yet I just pull back, and I'm like, Lord loves my kids more than I love my kids. The Lord loves fellowship more than I love fellowship. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll, He's always cared for us. And, and what grows is now I've got 15 years of His faithfulness, and so I can be like... The confidence in Yes, yeah. It's interesting. It sounds to me yeah. more like the manna that the yeah, Israelites receive exactly in the desert. Right. And it, yes. you kind of get that sense that... If we start stockpiling too much, it can rot. Right. But exactly just to right. trust that it'll come every day. That's right. And um, yeah, but it seems like our church, our church feels so active hmm. and um, forthcoming with its planning and programming and yeah. organization that I never experience it as a member yeah. as like this. Um, posture of kneeling down and arms open but yeah. i really do feel like that's the way oh yeah i mean even in recent years you know being terrified about a um man, i'm not sure we're going i think if we get to december we're going to be fine but like this is really hard you know in november and and um or man where are the are we gonna be able to find those student ministry fsm team and lead where are those people and they you've got to, it's hard enough to find a quality leader serving in a church but to to find one that can fit in our city and our culture and mm-hmm. the diverse nature of our church. Like we are looking, it feels like for Bigfoot and the Tooth Fairy and, and uh, you know, just this, oh my gosh, where are we going to find um, a 26-year-old who students love who can relate to all of our parents? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and but by God's grace, he begins to slowly start to show us who those people are. And or change the definition. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so, yeah, so... When I talk about that, I'm not just talking financial resources. That's important, but like leaders and and facilities. So like I, we do not, other than this office, I'm trying to. Th- I think every one of our outposts, we don't have more than a six month lease. Anyway, which is crazy. No, which it's is crazy. anywhere. And so we have full congregations in four places with just a lot of trust and a yeah. lot of history, but. Uh, any of those landlords could go, not anymore, yeah. you know, or we got different plans now. And yeah. so we, we, I like, I like living that way. I think uh, our church does. I don't yeah. think anyone would be shocked to yes. get an announcement this <laughs> Sunday, that next Sunday they need to go somewhere else. That's right. That's Just, right. It's Which kind I of think like, that's what keeps us alive. Right. So that we're, we're and it keeps that adrenaline drip yes. on all you guys who love to yeah. so the have way the adrenaline. We started saying that is we're replanting our church every year. Yes. So, oh, I so love that. With the, with these leaders and these, this giving and these facilities, how can we best reach Memphis? Mm-hmm. So we do that every summer. We go through the exercise summer. All right, we're replanting Fellowship Memphis. What would we Love do? Love that. Okay, so you've got that, you know, holding our 
church and the outposts and the palms yeah. of your hands. And um, every that all feels very soft and loose yeah. and humble and open-handed. Yeah. And yet our church um, verse, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Yeah, yeah. So that talks about our church remaining steadfast That's and right. immovable. That's right. How do those two things balance? What does it look like to be steadfast and immovable when we are constantly willing to right. physically move <laughs> yeah. and constantly willing yeah. to grow and change. Yeah, that's um, so we, I call it closed fist, open fist. Like closed fist, our doctrine, Jesus is who he says he is. Um, the Bible is God's word. <laughs> like we are called to love our city, love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. Like that, we're not changing on that. I mm -hmm. mean, if you check back in with us on 20 years, that's who we are. We're going to love and, love and serve our city, love and serve our neighbor, tell the truth, teach the truth, you know. Now, open-handed is we going to meet at 9 or 9.15 or 10.30? Are we going to meet on a Sunday night or a Sunday morning? Are we going to have two services or three services or one service? Are we going to go down to Levitt Shell next week? Like, are we going to scrap growth groups and try fellowship groups and scrap fellowship groups and try Sunday night? Like, that's what keeps a church alive missionally. Is, that's the replanting. Yeah, where the, um, uh, the, the functions we're committed to, the forms, we... we, we we would be super wise to even change things, even when they're working to keep from some, you know, that that's where a church loses its mission. It mm -hmm. still exists, but it has no mission because it's gotten it's gotten married to not just its function but its form. Mm. Um, and so, and we've catered to that. Like church leaders have catered to that, and um, um, tragically. And so, yeah, I'm super proud at year 15, and I think it's a threat. Like I think it's a threat that we just get. Uh, get that mixed up and um, get stuck in our ways. Mm -hmm. of this is how we do Easter or this is how we do Christmas Eve. And mm -hmm. I think to always ask that question, what's the, what's the most strategic way to, so we I'll give you a great example. So we would used to have these big Easter celebrations. Right. I love right. them. Gosh, Orpheum, yes. uh, Cannon Center, Incredible. like really cool to get everybody together on Easter, except visitors would visit on Easter when they won't visit the rest of the year and they go to the Cannon Center and the next Sunday we're not at the Cannon Center. Uh -huh. So like when we honestly got authentic about how missional is this and man, we want to see people connect with us for the long term. We moved back to the outpost to go, hey, we'll pick Levitt Shell and other times of the year and church anniversary and maybe Christmas Eve to do something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. I love going down to those places. But um, just... And that's one thing we do. We just like got strategically kind of uh, decided, man, that's not the best for visitors. Like, let's give them an experience, and then they can come back to these same places next week and mm -hmm. get involved in our church. And it's been neat to see the fruit of that. Yeah, more connection, that's more right. fellowship. Yeah. Um, okay, so we are getting near year 15. Yes. Um, and I think it's cool the way we kind of have these massive celebrations yeah. every five years. That's right. Um, helps our budget that it's not That's every right. year, but it also helps the excitement that there's a lot of buildup so. to it. So tell me about years five and ten. Well, our five-year anniversary was the first time we ever did something crazy. We went to the top of the Peabody and had a huge dance party. And like I said earlier, Lecrae was a part of our body at that point and his one of his albums had just come out that week and so I remember him singing some of those songs and I mean it, most people had never been to a church party that was awesome and uh and <laughs> most so church true. most churches don't That's party so and most churches have lame parties and uh we threw the event of the year um, almost 
without even knowing what we were doing, red carpets and photographers, and a lot of people did a lot of work to make that awesome. Uh, and so we thought, man, we immediately were like, year, yeah, we can't afford to do that energy-wise or financially to do this every year, but we'll do something special at the 10-year and then the 15, Lord willing, and 20. So, yeah, 10-year, we went to um, the Columns Building downtown. I think you and Wilson were part of that. And, uh uh, again, blew it out, had a great time and a uh, great dance party and really man, good food, really good food and a really cool spot. And so, yeah, we got 15 right around the corner. So we're excited about it. I know we're sneaking in on it. <laughs> yeah. Are we, we're almost to one month out yeah. um, where we are going to spread all over the city. Yes. Um, service projects throughout the week yep. where all four outposts have opportunities to serve in different areas, particularly around where they're. Yep. Um, location is and so we've got the service aspect of it and yep. we've got of course the um, celebratory aspect yes. where we're going to get together at Crosstown on yep. Friday November 16th yep. and celebrate big with some incredible music yep. um, we've got farm burger yep. we're going to have some sliders and oh yeah um, probably going to turn into a dance party as well uh, we're planning on it yep. and then <laughs> the Sunday night of the same weekend which is the 18th Right? Sunday morning. Yeah. Sunday morning of the yeah, 18th, right. we will be at um, Levitt Shell for yes. another celebration. Lord willing, weather permitting, we will be at Levitt Shell. For yes. a, yeah, and it feels like every day you've done a great job spearheading our efforts, and we're going to paint the town red. And well, it's been so neat, and you really just kind of feel like the Lord's behind it ever since the first time you and I talked about it. Mm -hmm. um, it's felt that way, but then it feels like every day there's a someone's pitching in an idea or an oh, adding man. an Today element. Today it was Lauren Karras yeah, sharing Lauren some ideas about art. Awesome. Blew oh, my so mind. exciting. Yeah. yeah. And getting our kids involved with some art. And um, that's what's been fun is that like every day there's a new element to either Love It Shell or the Crosstown Arts or even earlier that week we're doing a uh, um, uh, real garden and uh, that Monday night of that week uh, getting our kids really involved. And so, um, yeah, even the way you summarize, like we're going to celebrate, let's play, let's serve. Like that just brought clarity and gave us something to rally around. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, there's service pro even starting next week. Next Wednesday night, Collierville is doing something uh, for our FM15 in a service area. And, um, and then lots of places to play, too. So our team's had a lot of fun settling in on where we're going to play in our part of the city and where we're going to serve in a yeah. significant way. And, and we hope to be announcing it often. Yeah, and so Sunday I'm coming strong to our body. Uh, FM15, FM15, dot party dot is its party. own website. And we have RSVPs for every one of those events. So we really right. want to steward. We're buying a lot of meals for a lot of those events. And we don't want to underbuy by two or 300 or overbuy by two or 300. And maybe a few other surprises. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're a friend of fellowship or part of fellowship, we want you to – Check out that website and RSVP. We want all of our numbers firm even by the end of October uh, so that we can make the best decisions possible for all of those events. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be it's going to be epic. So, yeah. yeah. Well, this makes me really excited about the next 15 years. I know. Me church. too. Thanks for chatting with me. See what the Lord what the Lord does. It's fun seeing all the people. What's cool is brand new people, you know, uh, who came to church last Sunday, who oh, yeah. uh, the Lord's going to yeah. use them to write new chapters in our story. And um, yeah. that's fun seeing uh, just him continually draw and bring us new Memphians and, and new provide. members of our church. Yeah, and, and provide uh, and really take us in new directions that because of their passions and their burdens and their story. And their, yeah, so. Well, and yours. Thank you very much. Thanks, Katie. 
We'll be back uh, next time to talk about years 10 through 15. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.